Today, guys, we've got uh, Sonia Winter joining us here. She's General Manager and SEC uh, for BHP Billiton uh, at the Portrail Open Cut Coal Mine in Central Queensland. Very talented, very determined, and has achieved a lot in her career, but she unpacked some really good insights in terms of how she's gone about that. So I think uh, you know you guys will really enjoy how she's built her career and some of those critical building blocks and also some of the mindset or strategies she's used along the way. So thanks again for joining us, and I really hope you enjoy today. I think we'll just sort of jump right into it, and, and maybe we'll sort of go back to the early stages uh, of your career. Uh, and I guess the first question, Sonia, is what was your vision when you were a, a young graduate um, so keen to sort of understand uh, what that might have been and then, uh, you know, any pivotal career decisions that you've made along the way that have been uh, instrumental in, in getting you to where you've got to today. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. I think as a first-year graduate, you kind of want it all. So I can remember being on site and seeing uh, the general manager as that pivotal role that you kind of aspire to want to be as a graduate. Uh, I didn't know what that meant at the time, whether that was, you know, I didn't know what skills or experience I needed to get there, but I just know that on site that was the role that everyone sort of aspired to be. So I guess starting out as a mining engineer that weaved around different technical pathways and there were some pivotal sort of conversations that were had throughout my career that sort of led me from uh, a mining engineer graduate into into my current role. And and I can remember spending a lot of time in uh, that technical space and a senior leader in the business had a conversation with me, uh, which was about, you know, you're at that point, Sonia, where you need to decide if you're actually going to stay in the technical stream and move through that pathway versus moving into sort of more that people management side of things. So really took that conversation on board, had a bit of a think about whether I would jump out of that comfort zone and into that people management space because I did love my technical mind planning space. And um, I guess the way I did it was moving from into managing a very small technical team, uh, realised I loved that, moved into managing a larger technical team, uh, realised I loved that, and then I guess the, the next sort of pivotal movement in my career was to then move into managing larger teams where you actually weren't the technical expert and you actually had to deliver through others and it was about engaging in that people management space. So I guess through that journey, Sean, I've really discovered that I actually really love that people management side and leadership side of it and for me, it has been a challenging learning curve coming from that technical background, but genuinely love seeing people achieve success and unlocking their true potential. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think it's a great sort of transition to the next question. And through my research, as we touched on before, I understand you've got that uh, 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 that rebalance of EQ and IQ with uh, a smart technical <laughs> brain and like you just sort of maybe alluded to, that passion for people and building teams and, success and successful cultures. So uh, I, I don't want to uh, assume or guess in it, but it, it appears that maybe the technical side of things come to you first and then you've evolved uh, maybe that EQ over time. But can you sort of talk to us anything uh, any further about how you've sort of developed both that EQ and IQ sort of side of uh, your portfolio of skills? Yeah, so I think yeah, I definitely focused on that technical aspect um, on, on the early years in my career journey. And I guess if I had to reflect 
what pushed me into that space. So I would have to say just life in general gave me that big shove. And Sean, you know, you're you're a parent as well. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned most of my parenting lessons actually <laughs> parenting teenagers. Yeah. Um, so it's it's that it's that nice blend of you know different personalities and you know you see it in your own household with the kids. You actually have to learn to flex your leadership style and parenting style to actually get the best out of out of the kids and and the people around you. And that I realised that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And that was where I realised that that human element, that personality, and tapping into people's inner innate potential is 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 where is unlocking the key to to high performing teams no fantastic no you you did right in terms of uh the the uh parenthood and and the challenges and the the different strategies or methods you've got to use to sort of try and get messages through or get the outcome you're after so uh i 100 agree with you on that side of it and and maybe just sort of Going back to your own childhood a little bit, I understand that uh, you, like I, uh, were very competitive and, and uh, were involved in sport and that sort of thing, um, which I think is a good trait. Competitiveness is a good trait. Um, yep. I guess just on the back of that, have you always consciously pushed yourself, and you, you, you touched on this before about getting out of your comfort zone, have you always consciously pushed yourself to get out of your comfort zone? And if so, why do you think this is important? Yeah, I loved competitive sport growing up and, you know, it applied that level of discipline to, to life to try and balance out sort of the, the the sporting and the training side of it with the academic side of it because there's only so many hours in a day. But I actually found growing up that um, I was a harder taskmaster on myself than any of my coaches ever could be. So, and, and I think I still am, particularly when it comes to work, I, I sort of have high expectations of what I um what I need to be doing for my teams on site as well. So, you know, I think if I looked back on on my whole journey from where I came from in those young years as playing competitive sport, um, I always saw failure as a bit of a negative. I always, you know, you always strive to be on that podium. And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, you actually got more incredible learnings not actually coming first but by actually like trying hard and then sort of that self-reflection of unwrapping, you know, how you can do better next time and, and you get that sort of internal drive to, to pick yourself up. You learn how you conduct yourself when you're actually, you know, not at the top of your game. And it's that real resilience piece that I think, you know, that's that's really important uh, coming through because you're not always going to be number one each and every day. So sort of tried to pass on to the kids and, and um, you know, and everything they do, you know, just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and what have you learned from it all? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great insight. Uh, I think uh, for me, maybe similar to you, that um, failure was once maybe a crippling sort of uh, – uh, dynamic, but uh, reframing it like you did to to sort of create that uh, constructive aspect to that to say there's an opportunity to learn or review how you could have done things differently or better to get the outcome you you're seeking. I think that's uh, it's a good reframe on your part, and and I think resilience is just so important in terms of uh, maintaining that perseverance and pursuit of your goals, whether that's career or sport. And I think there are some of those key attributes that differentiate people that ultimately get there. It's just that ability to persevere. So I think there's uh, some great learnings there just sort of transitioning to you as a leader now i'm really interested to understand what you look for in people uh when you hire them for your team what are some of the key things you go looking for well i think it's it's you know you uh, put your name forward for roles and it's not always about having 
all of the skills that you need for that particular role in your toolbox at that particular time. So, you know, what I particularly look for is that self-awareness of where people are in terms of their actual skill sets and, and capabilities. Uh, I look for that engaging nature so that they can actually communicate and articulate um, those aspects. For me, charter values um, are really big, so that integrity, respect, you know, saying what you're going to do, what you're saying you're going to do. Um, and at the end of the day, that that whole willingness to, to learn, that energy, that motivation, if you have all of that, then everything else can sort of be taught on the job. So for me, they're key aspects of somebody coming into a role uh, to actually work in with the rest of the teams and to actually succeed going forward. No, fantastic. I think there's some uh, good insights here, which is uh, really, really good. Um, just going back to yourself, can you sort of understand whether or not you've used mentors? And if so, if so, have you gone about sourcing these people? And also, how have you interacted with these individuals? Yep, I have used mentors, Sean, and I still to this day, continue to use mentors. And I guess I personally find that sort of informal mentoring style um, more my style for me personally. And even if it's a formal mentoring program, uh, you know, like I'm going through at the moment uh, as, a men- as a mentor for some mentees, um, it's still more of an informal catch-up and very casual the way we actually um, work through the program. Uh, that's just the way I feel it, it flows better and it's more um, natural. Uh, for me... You know, over the years, my mentors have either been people that, you know, I've started conversations with just through the course of working with them, so peers or managers, and those conversations have just continued in staying in touch. Or, you know, I've actively gone out and said uh, to somebody, hey, I really like your style, I'd really, you know, like to spend some time with you. You know, could you give me some tips and tricks on on how to navigate some of the, the waters ahead? So, you know, I relationships throughout my whole career have have been a massive influence on, on what I've done and how I've achieved things and you know I'm I, I love the fact that I still catch up with with managers from my early graduate days in the business um, you know and really respect uh, their guidance and it still means a lot to me so very important the mentors side of things. Now well, it sounds like you've been proactive and sort of uh, uh, reaching out to people that you admire or respect or maybe have uh, perspectival skills that you want to learn more about. Um, but equally, it sounds like you uh, get a lot of energy from giving back some of your knowledge and skills to other mentees, which is fantastic. So I think that's, uh, that's good. Now, this is a bit of an interesting one because uh, the individual I spoke to in preparation for this told me that you may not be a massive advocate for following the rules always in a positive way <laughs> and, and, and maybe a bit like uh, the old adage that Steve Jobs used to talk about, you, you like challenging the status quo. So talk to us about this and, and how you've applied this to, to achieve positive outcomes. <laughs> that, 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 that's interesting. Um, so now let me set it straight. When it comes to, to safety, you know, real, rules and processes, you know, they're key to creating that safe work environment and for understanding our risks. So, so that, that's, that's sort of mandatory. But definitely um, – particularly over probably the last two to three years, definitely been looking at how to challenge the status quo because, you know, that definition from Einstein of insanity, if we keep doing the same thing mm-hmm. um, and expect a different outcome, you know, that's the definition of insanity. So, you know, um, I, I've talked a lot about that, tapping into that human element and that, that's been a, a large part of my journey in my career. But 
for me, there was a light bulb moment when, you know, you kind of realise that to actually be the leader that you want to be and it be sustainable and you actually achieve what you want, you have to be very authentic and bring yourself to work. And what I've realised is even in my own life, there's a lot going on in your life that you actually bring to work. So how do we actually create that environment where, you know, people are going to be distracted, people have things going on at home, how can you actually ensure that the environment you create at work actually allows them to be present and to really be able to monitor their surroundings and make good safety decisions um, when they're actually doing their tasks when they need to on site? So been really tapping into uh, behavioural science and, and at Poitra we've developed a, in line with the Nudge program and that's been around uh, safety in particular around vehicle interactions but also around respectful behaviours and that's actually just doing things differently around, you know, uh, creating triggers, creating little reminders of the nudge bands on the arms, you know, particularly with, with the priority rules, um, different giveaway rules on site compared to the Queensland road rules. So it's all about actually giving them cues and prompts, um, the workforce to actually help make those decisions and create those neural pathways so that those those triggers are there when you need them um, because they are very long days um, out in the field working. So we've piloted this program on site. Uh, we've taken a lot of learnings from the program and we've, we've we sort of involved employees, contractors, you know, people that work in the fields, people that work in the office. We've actually included and created a very inclusive environment with the with the Nudge program on site. And we've taken a lot of learnings and we've actually developed that from what we, we have a bit of a joke knowing that the, the program we're doing now is really the analogue version and we're actually really excited and, and very motivated the team on site to actually take it into the digital world uh, where we're looking at sort of artificial intelligence um, and virtual uh, reality programs for, for training and, um, and how we can actually trigger dynamic signage and visual cues on site to actually help bring people back to that present and actually do things a little bit differently to what we've done in the past. So it's not necessarily breaking the rules, but I'm just challenging how we do things to actually bring all of ourselves to work and that's okay. No, well, that's good. Well, I think we're going to pick up on maybe some of that uh what the minds of the future might look like uh, in a latter question, but uh, I think that's a, it's a great way and a constructive way of looking at things differently or challenging, you know, current practices to, to get better ones uh, moving forward. So I think that's a great response on your part. But um, talk to us about that uh, all-important, uh, you know, transition and in some ways no doubt challenge of uh, uh, evolving from being a competent mining engineer to then taking on that responsibility to lead others and you gave some little uh, insights before, but um, how did you personally navigate that transition and set yourself up for success? I think it's about grabbing opportunities. And, and I look back now at particularly the transition from managing technical teams to non-technical teams. Uh, and that, that, was a, that was probably the most challenging move across. Um, but if I look back at the transition that I did, I was very lucky to have a secondment opportunity, which meant that I could actually go into the role, own it for a period of a couple of months, and then be able to step back out of the role and do some self-reflection and looking at, um, you know, how I performed in the role and if it was right for me, etc. And I can remember moving into um, sort of more production-focused role and I completely finished that secondment absolutely exhausted. I just went, oh, my goodness, <laughs> how does how, how do people do this? This is, this is crazy. <laughs> um, so I can remember going and, and talking to people in the industry and said, look, you know, 
how can I improve on this? This this just wouldn't be sustainable. And I guess the good thing about that was I had time to step back out and really look back and reflect on on how I performed in the role and what I would do differently. And I actually had another secondment opportunity. So I went in and actually did things differently and absolutely loved it, loved the experience to the point where I put my hand up and said, I want this role permanently. This is what I want to do going forward. So uh, sometimes taking those small little um, dipping your toe in the water with some secondments, um, if you if you really take that opportunity to sort of do that critical self-reflection about how to improve yourself as a leader in that role and how to sustainably sustain that leadership going forward, um, I think they're really gems of learnings and they can really change where you're going in a direction and really unlock your potential as a leader. Uh, so it was a very interesting um, couple of secondments I had there. Now, well, uh, I admire the fact that you've, A, jumped in the deep end to take on some of those secondments, uh, B, obviously utilise self-reflection to uh, reflect on what went well, what maybe you could do better, but then also going external to yourself and getting some other feedback uh, in your quest to sort of uh, to, to, to learn and develop and, and not being... Uh, perturbed by the first secondment that might have been a little bit uh, uh, confronting perhaps and a little bit challenging. You went back in a second time, maybe taken on board some of those key learnings and, and ultimately did that and did that very well. So I think it's a good uh, good answer on your part. But um, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Uh, obviously, your mm-hmm. job is tremendously uh, demanding and it's a statutory role, so there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. So talk to mm-hmm. us about that all-important sort of challenge of being you know, very successful in your career and then also being a mum. Sean, I won't lie. It is tough, I'm sure you'd know. Absolutely. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a lot of juggling of balls that are always happening in the, in the household and at work, but um, – and, you know, you, you as a, a, a parent and, and a leader um, at work want to be everything to everybody all the time and you feel that, you you know, you owe it to your teams and your family, but you, you just can't. There's just not enough hours in the day. So, you know, I've, I've found that, um, you know, you try to be there, the kids for all their major milestones, but I've realised and, you know, I, I use the word self-reflect quite a lot, but I actually do step back and actually look at, you know, look at what's going on quite a fair bit and I I watched the kids as they sort of grew up and I realised that the more I actually stepped back with the kids, the more that they actually had to learn the skills themselves. So it was like teaching them to fish. Mm. Um, So uh, and I really feel that that's allowed them to build that resilience. It means that, you know, if they're doing things, they're actually doing things for themselves. They're not doing it to please me sitting in an audience somewhere and they're not doing it to please anybody else. So they've actually been able to generate that really sort of self-sustaining motivation themselves. So, you know, whilst, you know, you'd love to be there all the time as a parent and love to be at work all the time there for your teams, there is that sort of toing and froing that you have to do and, you know, you know, the positives that you can take from it, that sort of silver lining is that, you know, the kids have had to learn um, how to cope with that and I think they've done really well. So there's some pluses in it. No, I think there's some uh, good learnings in that. Obviously, they're having to be somewhat resourceful because you're not always there to sort of hold their hand or provide the answers and all the rest of it. They're having to be, like I say, resourceful or a little more sustainable in terms of how they uh work through some of those things so yeah I, th- I think that's uh it's a good one and, and you're dead right it's uh it's a constant challenge because i think there, there's always two sort of voices in your head there's the 
the uh, person that wants to deliver and go really well on the work front, then you've got the competing priorities of, of family. So I think it's a, it's a very uh, fluid space, um, but it sounds like uh, you've got some good stuff there and your kids have really sort of, uh, I guess, harnessed what's been going on to create some positives there as well. So I guess just building on on that a little bit, I'm a bit of a believer that sort of habits and rituals help create, you know, positive or sustainable results uh, as opposed to leaving it to chance. So I'd be interested to understand whether or not you have got uh, any uh, common habits or rituals that you utilise to get the most out of yourself each day. Look, as I mentioned before, Sean, you know, if I could create, wave my magic wand and create more time in the day, <laughs> I, I, I would. So it is really all about time management. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, as a parent or, you know, as a manager, it's it's about managing that limited time in a day. So effective calendar management. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I do uh, on a Sunday is have a look at the week ahead and make sure that I'm all prepared. I know what's going on. I know if I need to check in with people to make sure we're on track for whatever we need to deliver or catch up on during the week. And then I usually check the afternoon before because you know out of respect to any meetings that I have the next day it's always making sure that you know I've got the pre-read I've read it and and we're making the best use of everybody's time in the meetings the next day so so there's a big element of preparation and time management uh, that goes into a day and then there's always trying to squeak in that little bit of time for yourself which is really important at night time and and that little bit of exercise trying to get there too. So that's definitely a constant work in progress, getting that end of the scale, but totally appreciate how important that is for me to keep my energy levels up and, and be there for everybody being able to support them. So it's about trying to find that that time in the day for everything. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, you're right. Time management is just so critical and it sounds like that preparation, obviously you're giving yourself and those around you the best chance to utilise the, the meeting time for uh, interaction on the key points as opposed to digesting the information. And I'm also a massive advocate of trying to squeeze even if it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes of exercise mm-hmm. uh, where I can. I've always sort of said I do it as much for the sanity as I do the the vanity on that sort of side. I think it's just a, a, a healthy thing when you've got a lot going on. Um, yeah, so uh, it's good to hear that uh, you're uh, seeking to do the same, which is good. Um, now, it's uh, an ongoing tug of war for me, and I, I don't doubt maybe for you, and we sort of touched on that to an extent earlier, but um, what are your tips or experiences around balancing career drive with also some form of harmony with life outside of your career? You've nailed the word there, Sean, and that's that's harmony. I gave up using the word balancing um, home life and work quite a few years ago because I just realised it could never be balanced. Yep, yep. Um, you, you, you need that harmony and that flow between the two, um, you know, and, if, and like I said before, if you bring your whole authentic self to work, it means that home comes to you comes with you to work and work also then um, goes home with you at, at night, particularly if you're um, in a statutory role, which is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So, you know, I'll get a phone call during dinner on a Saturday night, but I'll also get a text during a meeting asking for more tuck shop money during the day. <laughs> so, so it's really about, you know, it's just life. It, it weaves together and you really, um, most days you feel like you did okay. Some days you feel like you dropped all the balls and then other days you're just sort of high-fiving and punching the air as you walk out because you nailed it all and, <laughs> and everybody's happy. So it's about it's just about life and just actually enjoying it and it's going to have its ups and downs and that's okay. Yep. 
nailed some really good stuff there, which is good. So an engineer's job is to solve problems or create opportunities. Uh, like we sort of uh, alluded to or touched on briefly earlier, what do you see the minds of the future looking like and how engineering ties into this? Look, I think we talked about the fact that, you know, engineering is all about problem solving. And I think the minds of the future, you know, the problem solving that we have today, it, it may morph into something slightly different, but there's still going to be problem solving in the future. And, you know, until we understand our resources fully through exploration drilling and seismic drilling, et cetera, and then getting building them into our resource models, um, we're really still going on that journey of, of providing that incredible value at that planning stage to create those executable plans and, and optimise uh, that performance. Because, you know, I think with all the technology coming through, whether it be drone surveys, whether it be the tools, technology, value chain automation, et cetera, all those elements, they're just really tools of the trade that we can actually help enhance the problem solving going forward and it, it might just shift into different areas but that element of, of planning and engineering and you know eliminating a lot of the safety issues that we have in the pits you know eliminating interactions so the better we know the resources the better we can plan and, and the safety the environment we can have out there for everybody absolutely yeah no i uh well, it's an exciting time for mining and, and people use different uh, terminology but uh, one i've heard uh, a bit of later is sort of mining 4.0 uh, but you know i think with that you know it's a really exciting time to see how technology can enhance or better what we do in mining and other contexts or other industries people will think they fear that technology is going to erode how many people are employed as a result but my experience is there's actually been more people uh, employed. They might look differently. Mm -hmm. They might be different occupations or all yeah, that sort of stuff. So, yet you'll get net growth. It's just different. So, I think that's to be embraced and, and uh, we're already seeing a lot of that in mining already. So, yep. and that might be a really good sort of opportunity to sort of uh, segue into this next question and can you sort of understand why you're so passionate about mining and maybe uh, with that, why others should maybe consider a career in mining? So I, I guess I grew up on the land. Um, I'm from North Queensland, so I grew up on the land. <clears throat> and I can remember coming down to uni in the city and thinking, oh, I'm never going to leave. You know, I finally got to the city. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a stream of engineering that will keep me in the city and I'll, I'll get to work in a high rise. And then it wasn't long after I'd left um, the farm that I realised that I actually loved the land. It was actually a part of who I was and it actually really grounds me. So I actually do find that that's my way of actually reconnecting and, and de-stressing is to actually be in nature and, and bushwalks and, and, and trail runs and all that sort of thing. So um, I have this innate um, connection with the land and, and it, I, I don't know, I just gravitate towards it um, in, as an engineering discipline knowing that I could actually go back out there, uh, be close to it, uh, the mining absolutely fascinates me because it's there's so much history and what you're actually you know, removing from the ground and, you know, being part of uh, being able to mine something that is such a big part of our economy and what we do but also be able to do it in a way that is sustainable and we actually, you know, returning back to it, what, you know, what I love and the area that I love. So um, mining for me has given me such variety in a career, you know, travel, uh, different commodities, uh, a great career and, you know, and it's it's allowed me to work in diverse locations and uh, my best friends I've made along the way. So um, it, it's, it's given me a, a wonderful life. 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, I mean, it seems like it's been amazing to you and your career and your your life in general. And I think at times, unfairly, mining gets uh, maybe sometimes a bit of a bad rap. But what is there anything else you would add as to, you know, obviously if people are coming through the, the school system and contemplating what do I do, you know, is there anything else that you think mining really offers or uh, is really unique or exciting about mining in general? Um, I think it gives it an element of, um, like I said, that variety, but you can mm-hmm. also come from different streams. You don't have to do mining engineering degree to be part of the mining industry. Um, all the different disciplines. Um, I have a daughter doing engineering at the moment and she's deciding on a discipline and we're going through this exact conversation <laughs> at the moment. And it, and it's all about, you know, how do you how do you create a career in a pathway where an industry is changing so rapidly? Mm. You know, when when I started as an engineer, and like you said, the, I think it was the first question about where you wanted to go to, and I said, oh, I want to be a GM. Whereas nowadays, there's so many different pathways, mm. um, and and so many different avenues you can take. So, the mining industry is just a conduit to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay there. You will learn incredible skills along the way. Uh, there's incredibly talented people that you'd be working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you'll build incredible relationships and those relationships will last whether you stay in the mining industry or pivot out into other industries. And I think the the, the conversations that I'm having with my daughter at the moment, it's, it's, a, it's about skill building. And I think the generations of the future are looking for that. They're looking for skills that they can then translate into other industries and, and pivot themselves into different career paths um, when they feel the need to or, or the, the want to. So I think mining actually creates that variety. You're able to go in there and you can actually experience firsthand actually uh, that mining experience, but there's also um, projects, there's mechanical, electrical, chemical. You, you can actually get experience in all of those areas and translate those skills into your career path down the track. No, fantastic answer. I uh, I agree, and, and I've uh, personally witnessed, and it sounds like it's definitely been the case for you. Uh, you know, such a, a rewarding career and um, satisfying career for so many people that have been involved in mining. So uh, I think uh, some great responses on your part there. So uh, I guess uh, conscious of time, and and uh, just as we're sort of starting to wrap up, I'm going to get you to get a little bit reflective. And uh, <laughs> Do you know, I'm, I love uh, that. Yeah, exactly. we touched on that a little bit earlier as well. So you know, I guess um, you know, knowing what you know now and, and we're, we're all now the the beneficiaries of hindsight and sometimes things are clearer now than what they were uh, when we were younger but uh, if you were to pass on any worldly uh, advice to that young lady as a graduate what would that be and why oh good question <laughs> <laughs> I, I sometimes say i'd be dangerous if i could go back exactly um, knowing, yeah. no, knowing what i know now um i think you know, if I really stop and look back, uh, it would be embrace the journey. Sometimes, and, and I know um, I've, ha- I've had friends say, Sonia, you always look like you're sprinting somewhere. Mm. And, you know, after they'd said that a while to me, it was, I kind of stopped and went, where am I sprinting to and why am I sprinting in such a hurry somewhere? And 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 I realised that that's my pace. I do work at a, at a high pace. But... Uh, I've realised that, you know, sometimes you can actually miss a lot of the the side opportunities and the great things that are happening if you actually just focus on that end destination all the time. So I think if I could go back and tell myself it's just like, you know, really enjoy the journey, embrace the opportunities that come your way, don't be afraid of them because there's always going to be a learning experience 
uh, in there, whether, you know, you succeed or, you know, you have a, a bit of a hiccup and a hurdle. Um, and I think, you know, I, I really look back and value the relationships. So, you know, to really spend the time with people, that human element and actually getting to know people and being there for them and, and having them part of your lives, I'd actually say, you know, you're really going to embrace that and, and, and call on that later in life. So, so really take the time to make that important to you. Um, as you're starting out. No, I think that's a fantastic answer and it's certainly something that I can relate to. Um, I think uh, now more than when I was younger, I, I was so destination-focused as opposed to, to, the, to the journey. And I think um, you know, people say success without fulfilment is the ultimate failure and, and, and Steve Jobs talked about uh, you know, the, the journey is the reward, but it's not always clear and and probably the last comment I'd make on that, and I have to do that because uh, I'm a Kiwi, so I've got to find a way to get uh, some Kiwi aspect in there. Richie McCaw, the, <laughs> the, the great All Black uh, captain, when mm-hmm. I did a podcast with him, he said the same. I said, what, what, you know, that same question essentially. And he basically said, oh, I probably missed out a lot in my career because I was always focused about the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. He goes, maybe yeah, there would have been an opportunity to stop and enjoy some of those milestones along the way. So I think there's some clear similarities there in terms of your answer and Richie's. So look, uh, Son, you've done tremendously well in building your career to where it is today and I've got a sneaking suspicion you're not finished yet. You're going to go on to bigger and better things, no doubt, but uh, I think your will and drive to evolve and get better and jump into the, jump out, out of your comfort zone and, and uh, pick up new skills and challenge yourself has obviously played a massive part in getting you to where you have today. Uh, no doubt you're having a big impact with BHP and, and uh, you're inspiring many other people. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share some of those insights and learnings and I think there's some really valuable takeaways for people that are looking to emulate similar things to yourself. So really grateful for you taking the time. Thank you, Sean. My pleasure. Trust everyone enjoyed that today. I know I did. Uh, I uh, felt really energised at the back end of it in terms of how uh, Sonia's gone about uh, creating her career and building that career. So really grateful that you guys have taken the time to listen to this. Uh, I trust you've got some key takeaways. If you have, really encourage you to, to send this on to anyone else that might get some benefit or, or like or follow us on whatever platform that you uh, consume us on. So thanks again for taking the time to listen today. I appreciate it. Yeah.